Welcome to the Grass Matters podcast, brought to you by Great Southern. I'm your host, Andrea Crothers. Now, on today's menu, it's all about lamb. We know that when kilos count, improving lean meat yield is a big profit driver. But just how far can you go without compromising eating quality? And when could value-based trading be the norm? Well, for more on this, and for about that time that she went to a casino and it all turned a little bit crocodile dundee, Elkie Hocking joins me now. She's an agricultural consultant and producer based in South Australia. Thanks a lot. Um, good to be here. So, Elkie, you're a country girl born and bred. Tell me a bit about your upbringing. Yeah, well, I, I grew up as an only child, um, so I guess I was the, the, the son and heir, I guess, if you like. Um, so, my dad brought me up... Um, you know, I could do anything that I guess that a that a boy could do, and so you know, I I was always out on the farm. You know, if the minute I got off the school bus, I would just yep say, "Where's Dad?" and go straight out on the farm um, helping. So, you know, and I did that from an early age and pretty much all, all my life. And and I remember you know a few times, you know, I mean, Dad would we, we would we would um, process our our own um, sheep and cattle you know, in, um, under the tree and all that sort of stuff, and and I'd be fascinated by you know being able to cut cut it cut it up and sort of see how everything worked in, inside the animal and everything and I remember dad um, dropped me off in the paddock one day we had a, a cow that had that had died in the paddock and um, we didn't know why it had died so dad just left me with uh, a couple of plastic bags and a big knife and said oh I'll come back in a couple of hours and um, you, when I get back, just tell me what you think it died of and make sure you get some dog meat for me as well. So um, so I guess I, I, I was, um, yeah, I, I always enjoyed working and cutting up meat and, and such. And then with my work in the, I guess, the BCRC later on, I, I you know, developed an, an interest in, you know, I, I used to love seeing all the meat product. I used to weigh every piece of fat, meat and bone for, for yield yield studies and in beef and, and, yeah, I used to love sort of seeing all the meat sort of go across the, across the table. So, yeah, so... Elke, I'll pull um, you up. What, what did that yeah. cow die of? <laughs> I can't even remember now, I think. No, can't remember. Uh, as I said, no. I just remember the opportunity, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just remember getting a, a lot of. I just remember thinking this is a lot bigger to cut up than a than a sheep because I think that was probably the first cow that I'd tackled. I'd you know probably you know cut up the odd, odd um, sheep before and got legs off, but to get a log leg off a cow while it's lying on the ground was really quite difficult. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like a year in a paddock, so you could keep all your paddock talk to yourself. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, so I guess then, um, yeah. At, at, you know, I never wanted to do anything else besides, you know, agricultural science. Um, so, you know, I always wanted to do something with agriculture, and I always wanted to be practically involved in farming. So, I guess even though I've sort of had a career in sort of beef research and um, consultancy. Um, during all of that time, I've always been farming as well. University holidays, I used to come home and, and help Dad on the farm. Um, and then, of course, when I came down to the southeast, it wasn't long before I met my husband and started uh, fam, uh, uh, farming on, on his um, family farm as well. And in the last uh, last sort of few years, we've, we've gone out by ourselves and now farming. Um, I've got a you know, beef and, and lamb enterprise here uh, in the southeast. So uh, now my kids are um, very active on the farm, particularly my, my oldest daughter. She 
uh, she loves doing. Uh, I probably do the same with her. I give her a knife. I was going to say, played the same trick. <laughs> Absolutely. So she's 16 and um, she's remote learning from home at the moment, which, um, you know, as I said, they're probably not, not loving at the moment. Um, but there are other advantages. So she can get out and help on the farm. And, uh, yeah, she did ask me she, t- she you know, t- how, to, how to cut up a sheep and she did want, to, uh, want me to leave her and uh, to do it by herself without me looking over her shoulder so she could just, you know... How did she go? As she said, the first one was a bit rough, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, she's um, she's going going pretty well. So <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, yeah, she she enjoys that part of it as well. So and and, and fortunately, you know, um, wants to have a have a um, career in agriculture as well. And then I've got a son and a, a, another daughter as well. So um, and they all work actively on, on the farm, which is great. So you know, it, it's such a, a great place to grow up on the farm. You learn about Life and death and everything in between. So it's a, it really is a, a great great career, and I love being involved in in both uh, yeah the production side and and as I mentioned, I love helping other producers um, achieve you know achieve on their farms both you know profitability and productivity. You know it. You know, I had a meeting yesterday, and it was just so exciting to hear from the producers about. You know, what they're doing and, and, and where they're headed and what their goals are. And, you know, I, I love working with, with those producers. Yeah, so that's very rewarding. Elkie, one of those areas is lean meat. So let's get right into it. For those that may have heard of the term but don't necessarily know a whole lot about it, what is lean meat yield and why is it important? Okay, so I guess if we firstly start with the live animal. Um, generally, um, the live animal gets processed and we end up with a carcass, which is basically minus the, the skin, the head and all the intestines and all that sort of, all those bits. And then from that carcass, um, there's, the carcass contains meat, fat and bone. So lean meat is actually, or lean meat percentage is the percentage of meat from the carcass, so minus the fat and bone. And so, stating the obvious, why is that important? Well, I guess that's what, when we sell, uh, when, when the processor sells the, sells the product, um, I guess, you know, some product is sold, uh, with, with bone in, but basically the, 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 you know, the meat is, is the, the bit that the consumer enjoys. And so that's, that's really the, the customer, um, wants, wants that, that leaner meat yield without too much fat, um, but wants to have a really good eating, eating quality experience. And also puts the dollars back in producers' pockets as well, obviously. But so where is yeah. the technology at with how lean meat yield percentage is measured then? Yeah, well, I guess I've been involved in, in this journey for a little while as well. Uh, I guess back in my beef CRC days, we were working with uh, technology like Bioscan in beef and then um, further down the track when I was uh, working as a consultant uh, with LAM, um, they were looking at Bioscan technology, which is video image analysis technology in um, in in estimating lean meat yield. So I guess it's been, the technology's sort of been in the background for a long time. Um, more recently, uh, I guess um, there's been researchers, university, uh, industry, processes, um, all working sort of together um, and Advanced Livestock Measurement Technologies or ARMTEC um, has been putting a lot of work in the, in the background in developing objective carcass measurement technologies for both lean meat yield and eating quality. So one of the more recent uh, technologies that we're interested in at the moment is, is um, DEXA or dual, X-ray, um, dual energy X-ray imaging. Uh, so 
um, Great Southern has put DEXA technology in both the Brooklyn and and Bordertown plants, um, originally sort of to help them with their um, find the cutting lines um, and in their robot technology, but also to uh, we can they've been doing a lot of research on lean meat yield, and at this stage the accuracy of that in estimating lean meat yield is around about sort of ninety two percent, so it's quite exciting. And that will really be the game changer in terms of the accuracy. You said it was about 92%, but currently the sort of data, how accurate is that? Oh, probably around sort of 52%, you know. Um, but yeah, that's sort of what I'm, I'm thinking, sort of, I, I guess, in terms of accuracy. Um, I think that's with hot standard carcass weight and GR knife, uh, it's around about 52%. So, um, and I guess just one thing to mention in terms of the accuracy, everything's compared to a gold standard, which is um, computed tomography or CT scanning. So that's um, basically, you know, like you, you go and have a, have a CT scan, it shows, you know, the muscle, the fat, the bone, all the different tissues um, in the body, whether it's a, um, and that comes out of, you know, human, um, like in, in medicine. Um, and so that's sort of, I guess that's the, the gold standard to which all objective carcass measurements um, are measured against. Just to walk back to Viascan then, you were working with that 15 years ago. Why did that not take off? Uh, I guess... I guess the, the main difference that I see and why I'm, I guess, excited now is that in, in the past, sort of industry and researchers used to come up, come along to the processes and, and say, you know, wow, have I got a piece of, you know, technology for you guys. This is going to be awesome. We're going to be able to do all this sort of stuff with it. Here it is. And they sort of pop it in the plant and, um, and you know, without probably a lot of support. And um, and it was also a third party um, process, so the, um, the the data wasn't in real time. So it sort of had to go away and get processed by a third party company, come back, then go back to the processor, and there was some levies associated with it. So it was just a little bit, yeah. Just it just I don't think industry was really ready for it, and um, and there was no sort of uh, I guess no producers really. Not a lot of producers actually changed um, in, in response to, to the feedback at that stage. Whereas I think now, um, because there's so much collaboration across, as I said, research, um, industry organisations like Meat and Livestock Australia, um, the processing companies, and they're all working together and um, and the research is actually helping to solve processor problems uh, as well as as you know, as hoping to sort of get to the, that ultimate measurement of, of lean meat yield um, for the um, for the benefit of the processor, and also to then give feedback to the producers who can then use it to make changes on farm. It sounds like Viascan was sort of put in at a time when it was sort of you're running before you're walking, whereas now it's very much a collaboration between trying to ensure that if the technology is there, that it's actually right. Yeah, I think so. As I said, there's a lot more sort of checks and balances in place. So, you know, as well as this technology getting installed, as I said, in the Great Southern plants, you know, getting installed in plants across Australia. There's one in New South Wales, another one in WA going in. And they're also trying to make sure that the calibration uh, or basically the data that's coming out is the same uh, in, say, South Australia as it is in Victoria and New South Wales and WA. So, you know, so that what the producer does end up getting is, is quite consistent. So the producers can get the data. Then what's the next step in terms of how they can actually use that to improve or manage their lean meat yield? Um, 
Yeah, so at the moment, and a lot of producers don't actually realise this, uh, is that there's um, the data has been going into livestock a plat- platform called Livestock Data Link um, for a number of years, about five years, I think it is now. And so the information on carcass weight and fat and also um, an estimation at this stage of lean meat yield, I guess because this is a little bit pre, pre-DEXA but um, also before sort of DEXA starts, uh, you know, is fully validated. But there is an estimate of, of, um, of lean meat yield already in, in livestock data link. So producers can actually access that data and go back and benchmark and see where they sit and, and, and you know, from season to season how their lambs are varied in the, in the different sort of... Um, specifications, yeah. You've actually been doing workshops with some of the top producers from Great Southern with regards to that. You watched the pilot program last year, was it? Yes, yeah. So as well as um, being, a, I guess, a, a Great Southern Farm Assurance um, producer, um, I guess with my work, I, I work as a cult consultant and I, I definitely try and make sure that the two sort of run in, uh, run in synergy, I suppose. So, um, and as I said, having a very strong interest in this area. Um, yeah, I started working on, um, on a workshop, which is part of Meat and Livestock Australia's um, Profitable Grazing System Supported Learning Program. Um, and is really aimed to build the skills and capacity of producers sort of to have a balanced approach to selection and management of lambs for both lean meat yield and also eating quality as well. So I guess the workshops really it starts with, with analysing their feedback, as I said, in, in livestock data link, and then try, yeah, so you benchmark where, where you're at um, and trying to work out, um, you know, what, and it's a little bit of understanding of what technologies are around the corner, like like DEXA and understanding the objective carcass measurement systems. But then when they when they can look at their compliance, they can sort of say, well, hey, you know, I'm not really, I'm, I'm way under, or my carcasses are too fat or they're too lean. Uh, and then you can start to look at um, solutions back on farm to actually address that non-compliance issue so that, you know, in the future, if there are, you know, grids um, or, you know, are based around lean meat yield and, and hopefully eating quality in the future as well, um, yeah, then, then they can actually um, yeah, meet those specifications and hopefully become, you know, be more profitable as well. Obviously changing uh, the shape of a flock, you know, doesn't happen overnight. But take us through, I guess, some of the examples of what you saw with the producers you were working with. And bearing in mind, these are obviously already some of the top producers who are likely more adaptable and willing to change. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. For you know, working with the, I guess the producers in this workshop, it was you know fairly targeted at, at um, Great Southern Farm Assurance clients. So they're probably already in in the top twenty percent of producers, I would say. And so some of them have been working, um, including myself and my husband. You know, I've been working on genetic selection for increased carcass weights and and probably lean meat yield for a long time. So I guess what um, what, it, what the, this workshop sort of highlighted and some of the things was really also starting to focus on on eating quality. Um, one of the one of the unfortunate um, things is that there is actually a I guess a negative relationship between lean meat yield and eating quality. So so that means if you push lean meat yield too hard and too fast, um, you can actually breed out um, the the well, you can basically lower the eating quality of the carcasses, and this is mostly due to um, the level of intramuscular fat. So, if you can think about, if you sort of start, you know, making the, the lambs leaner, I guess if you think pork, 
um, you know, you really, really lean, no fat, um, then the intramuscular fat also decreases. And intramuscular fat's really, really related to um, to the flavour and juiciness and overall eating experience of, of, of meat. Everything that we love beef. lamb for. <laughs> Absolutely. And as I said, lamb's such a, you know, it is a niche product. We, we just can't afford to um, to wreck it. You know, it's that it's, a, it's already really good quality. So at the moment, we're sitting like intramuscular fat um, across Australian flocks are sitting around about sort of 4.2 percent, and premium is sort of premium quality is over over five, but you know 4.2 is is really acceptable. Um, we just don't want to um, yeah, yeah make it make it decline. So I guess you know in terms of what I've been seeing with um, with producers um, and the changes that they want to make is is that they're very aware that that you know lamb's a niche product and they want to want to keep it um, keep consumers wanting to to buy it. So that eating quality, you know, starting to think about that in their genetics, um, genetic selection is becoming important. And as you mentioned, it does take a long time. So even if we don't, you know, see um, you know, eating quality, you know, grids around like we've got in, in beef with, with MSA and such like, um, even if we don't see that for a few years, well, it's going to take producers a few years to actually uh, change their genetics. Just on how important it is to maintain that intramuscular fat for eating quality, I mean, we've obviously seen what happened in New Zealand when you do do that race for quick growth that just could really absolutely destroy it. Yeah, so so at the time that um, that Viascan sort of I guess went out of Australian systems, sort of decided not to to take that technology on Viascan. Yeah, did take off in in New Zealand, and they have used it um, at, uh, quite heavily. And yeah, unfortunately, that probably has come at, at the expense of of slightly declining uh, eating quality um, for, for New Zealand products. So. Um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be able to turn it around. But at this stage, you know, Australia does have a, a slight, um, slight advantage um, because, because we didn't take on that technology sort of earlier on. You know, researchers have, have done a lot more work since that time and, um, and we really understand all the relationships between lean meat yield and eating, eating quality. And, you know, there's been huge amount of research in the background uh, where they've, you know, done lots and lots of um processed lots and lots of lambs and consumers have done lots and lots of um, consumer panel testing um, of product and there's been research breeding values developed for uh, for lean meat yield um, and sorry, and eating quality and shear force. So, you know, so shear force is a measure of, of tenderness and, um, yeah, it's really hard to get those those measures uh, in the live animal, obviously, because you need to process it, and then it's very hard to, to go back and um, and look at look at those um, those traits. So you know, so we've used um, technology such as genomics to, to help us um, develop some of those breeding values. So so that now that that you know reasonably accurate for industry. When do you see something like value based trading becoming the norm? <laughs> yeah, that's a million dollar question and um, one that I've got the answer. Probably, probably 20 years now, I reckon. Um, and I guess, you know, for me, yeah, the, the holy grail would be, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, realistically, as, as I said, there's, you know, there's a lot of research that goes in, in the background and, you know, to have the confidence of the accuracy 
and um, and I guess the the biggest issue at the moment is whilst we've got the, the like DEXA in place measuring lean meat yield, we currently don't have a measure in lamb for for eating quality or intramuscular fat. There's certainly um, research and that you know Armtech, as I mentioned, um, is trialling. Things like uh, meat probes and hyperspectral cameras and pretty cool technology that um, that that is in the pipeline and is showing a, a you know, good amount of promise for measuring intramuscular fat. Uh, some measure measure it quite accurately, but to do it at line speed in a processing plant, you know, there's still a lot of logistical issues. As soon as you put in technology, I mean, everyone knows, even back on farm, the minute you use you know new technology, there's there's lots of teething issues. But also, I guess um, part of what um, I guess Great Great Southern is, is doing is taking the producers along on a journey with them. Um, in this process and saying, hey, look, this is the technology that we're trialling. This is what the future might look like. And we'll, we'll, we'll provide you with the data when we've got the measurements so that then you can actually prepare yourself, um, get your, um, get it all ready, uh, do the changes, genetics, management, nutrition that you need to do on farm before we start releasing for the payment system. So I don't think it's going to be, you know, some, you know, like, Tomorrow they'll suddenly release a payment system. So it, it, all of this takes time. So I, I would still see it's probably, you know, I don't know, at a guess five five years off, maybe. So, but um, but the Dexter. Hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> the De- the Dexter data though, um, coming out of you know, like actually for producers to actually be able to get information from DEXA as opposed to the estimation that they've got now, you know, should be pretty, it should be a lot closer than that. So producers should be able to start getting DEXA data in their livestock data link, you know, um, within the very near future. Yeah. So you've obviously been in this game for a long time. You've seen the sort of changes. You've been part of the changes. Where do you see the industry going once you do manage to have that missing link of eating quality and then eventually potentially value-based trading. As I mentioned, the, I guess the whole, holy grail is for producers to actually get feedback on exactly what the customer requires. So really a, a processor grid is really a reflection of what the customer wants. And at the moment, you know, we, we, it's really just um, carcass weight. Um, so, so producers are producing um, the heaviest, carcass that they can possibly get um, you know at, at this uh, even in the last year you know we've seen carcasses up around 30 to 40 kilograms which is not really what the what the end customer wants you know there's a lot of a, a lot of fat in that because that, as the as the lamb matures it um, it laid, lays down more and more fat so it's um, it's pretty inefficient and costly for the processor to remove that fat um, and likewise, even though the producer seemingly, you know, it's a great price, you know, they're getting their three hundred dollars or previously um, for for those really heavy and fat lambs, um, it's not what the customer wants, and and it actually costs a lot of money um, in terms of feed efficiency to produce that that really really fat lamb. So in terms of cost of production for the producer, it's actually a little bit of false economy. So I guess if we get a true value-based payment system in the future, it will really allow producers to produce exactly to the customer specifications, um, so what the customer wants, which is a, a, a leaner, leaner lamb without excessive amounts of fat, but that still eats really, really well and has that flavour and juiciness and tenderness component. 
using data to produce more effective lands rather than just bigger ones. Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, big, bigger lambs are, are good, <laughs> but um, and you know, for a long time, I guess the, I guess if we go back, you know, twenty years or, or more, probably thirty years, the um, the lamb lambs that the um, Australian industry used to produce were probably only around sixteen kilos, and um, you know, and now we're easily producing, you know, twenty twenty to twenty two kilo lambs at five months of age. But then some producers have been taking them on to further, you know, to an um, older age and, and higher level of maturity. And that's where we're getting those sort of 30 kilo carcass lambs with, with excessive amounts of, of fat. So, so I guess one thing to mention is that the, um, the sheep, the lamb industry is actually, particularly the Australian lamb industry, has done a really, really good job in terms of genetic selection for larger, leaner lambs because that was the, the market signal for the, the customer wanted larger, leaner lambs. And that message really did get through and, and producers responded and we've done that really, really well. Um, and there's been, I guess, indexes, genetic indexes that producers have used um, that have been driving that increased growth rates and increased carcass weights and leanness. And I guess then the geneticists started having a look at look at that in relation to what was happening to eating quality, and could see that um, that yeah there was just a slight decline in in the intramuscular fat component. So now they've actually changed the indexes um, to actually reflect um, reflect maintaining uh, intramuscular fat, um, in, in, as well as producers still being able to to drive that that those growth traits, which at the moment are you know the most economical. Um, that we've got sort of thing. So, yeah. You've obviously helped a lot of people improve their own businesses. What have you gotten out of all this? I'm just, I guess I'm just so passionate about helping producers, um, including myself, um, to produce a, a product that's, that is desired by the end customer. Um, and I, I guess I get a lot of enjoyment um, about producing um Producing sort of product to you know to customer specifications, and I think working with the great southern producers within the workshops, um, I think you get a real sense of, of pride. Um, you know, we all have a sense of pride in belonging to a, I guess, a branded product. I mean. I guess you know, 10, 20 years ago, I was you know, involved. Lots of producers wanted to go out and brand their own products and it was just a really, really hard job. So, um, But those people can now jump on board you know, and actually feel part of, uh, yeah, feel part of a, a, a something bigger um, and, and you know, being part of sort of the, the Great Southern sort of farm assurance program. I guess for the producer, it just gives them a bit of a sense of achievement um, and knowing that they're producing a, a quality product um, that the customer wants, but at the same time being able to improve their profitability. I, I guess I always have a, um, you know, I, I like to produce quality products, but, you know, it's got to be profitable for everyone throughout the process. So, uh, so to produce a product that's more efficiently for, you know, obviously helps our profitability back on farm. And if I can help other producers um, do the same, then you know I guess I get a, I guess a, a sense of achievement um, by doing that. As I mentioned, I you know I, I try and run the producer part of my business and the consultancy part of my business. It, it, it gets very mixed up and intertwined um, together, and I find it hard to work out. You know because I'm. <laughs> But yeah, I'm teaching stuff that you know that I do at home myself, sort of thing. I you know basically practice what I what I preach, I suppose. So it's all intertwined, and 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 I 
yeah, get very, uh, yeah, feel very satisfied, satisfied and rewarded by, by helping other producers to do the same. So, yeah. Elkie, we started this conversation hearing about how your father left you in a paddock with a cow to cut it up. But I do understand that knives have played a bit of a theme throughout your life. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I've been involved in the, the farm assurance um, program with, with Great Southern for a long time. And um, they, they really, they, they've been having a producer of the year awards for, for a number of years. And my husband and I got invited to, uh, I think it was the inaugural one in Melbourne at the Crown Casino. So really, you know, there was uh, presentations and um, through the day and then final, uh, finally, a, 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 you know, a grand dinner sort of thing, and um, and it was fantastic. And I guess we we rocked up, and um, and all the dinner tables all set. And you know how you normally get your bonbonnery, you might get chocolates on the table, or little flowers, or some little decorative piece. Well, on the table, um, on every person's setting, was this great big gaucho knife in a beautiful um, cowskin hide um, pouch, and um, it's like the same as Argentinian type. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, really, really nice, really big, and and very sharp. Um, <laughs> so I was just, I, I was just ecstatic. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, no, I, um, my husband just rolled his eyes at me, <laughs> and uh, and I thought this is fantastic. And the only, only it looked great was, on the poker table later on. <laughs> yeah. So the only catch was um, because obviously it was a weapon, and we were in the Crown Casino, and there was about two hundred people. Um, they didn't really want two hundred people walking out. With, with these uh, <laughs> with these very sharp knives, so they all collected them up very quickly at the end of the meal and um, took them away, and then um, and promised to deliver them. And yes, we did get um, get our two knives delivered at a later stage by um, by our livestock buyer from from Great Southern. So so very pleased when when that turned up. So yeah, no, very excited Being about that. In, on the mantelpiece now, I think. <laughs> oh, well, no, I actually use it. So I, I use it. The crystal is very nice and sharp as, as well for the thing. So I, um, I bring it out on the odd occasion. And, yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> very Crocodile nice. Dundee in South Australia, Elkie Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> it's a little bit different, yeah. <laughs> Elkie, last supper, what would you choose? Yeah, that's a really hard question because I'm an absolute carnivore. I love all red meat. <laughs> <laughs> um, in any form, but if it was a last supper, I think it would be ha- it would have to be something I could pick up and and chew with my fingers. So probably like a <laughs> lamb, you know, lamb cutlet straight off the barbecue, or or a big lamb roast that I can actually carve up and and grab the bone and yeah, <laughs> and yeah, no, I, th- I think that that would definitely. You're turning very yeah. primal for your last supper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I said I, I do, I do love, love both, both my beef and, and lamb, and um, but I do love chewing, um, yeah, chewing on a chopped bone. Um, that's that's really good. Lamb chops are good. <laughs> <laughs> that's as good as answer as any. Um, Elkie, thanks for coming on the podcast. No worries. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Grass Matters podcast. Remember, it drops every Thursday at 2pm, so make sure you've got it downloaded on whichever device you may be listening to. Plus, also, if you like what you're listening to, why don't you give us a review? It really does help to get it to where it needs to be.